Hello and welcome to the Soil Solutions Podcast, produced in partnership with High Plains Journal and Great Plains Regeneration. I'm Jessica Nadd. I will be your host of this podcast, and I'm also the Executive Director of Great Plains Regeneration. So joining me today, I have Zach Stuckey, who is the publisher of High Plains Journal. Zach, how are you today? I'm great, Jess. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited as publisher of the High Plains Journal. Um, you know, it's our duty to the High Plains growers to to focus on the buzz in the marketplace and the buzz is soil health. But the thing is, is that means a ton to different people. And it is our duty, it is our challenge, uh, but also what we need to do for High Plains growers to make sure that it's relevant, relevant to your farms um, and, and make sure that it's practical too. And so when you have a focus on um, soil health, regardless of your cropping system, we believe that it can have an influence on your bottom line and it can affect your generations to come. So. Jess, I'm, I'm just so excited to bring this to our High Plains audience. And, and you know, for us, I'm so glad that you're, you're here doing it with us. Oh, fantastic. You know, it's my honor and pleasure. This is something that we've been able to do together for many years. You know, we've had uh, Soul Health U in the Salina, Kansas area since 2018, and we will be back in person in 2023. It seems like a long ways away, but, you know, for reasons we don't really have to explain, we weren't able to be in person this year. So we've launched a podcast and all of that content that would have been delivered to our High Plains growers um, is still going to be delivered just through a different format. So super excited about the podcast. I know your team has been gearing up to launch it. Our launch date is coming up in January and just really excited to see what what sort of content we can get. I agree with you. Healthy soil creates healthy people, planets, and and animals. And that's all the things that High Plains Journal um, readers and growers in the area are highly concerned about. Yeah. And, and, you know, lastly, Jess, you know, with Soil Health U, that's that's just two days out of the year. But realizing from a standpoint of a grower, it's 365 days of your life. And so it's important for High Plains Journal and for, our, for for you as an extended part of our family that we recognize continue to share content and education throughout the entire year, whether that's a podcast in High Plains Journal, on highplainshpj.com, or you can even find this information on soulhealthu.net. Fantastic. So our campaign for 2022 will kick off on January 17th leading up to our next in-person Soul Health event, which will be January 18th and 19th, 2023 in Salina, Kansas. Well, welcome to the Soil Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Kanad, and I am here today with Mr. Jerry Hatfield. How are you doing today, Jerry? Just fine. Thank you, Jessica. All right. Well, Jerry is a crop consultant. He is also retired director with USDA ARS Laboratory for Agriculture and the Environment. When it comes to outstanding distinguished services efforts in science and education, Dr. Jerry Hatfield has devoted a lifetime to raising the bar on soil and water conservation research and education. And by doing that, he is linking all the components to a changing climate. With a background in agricultural climatology, Dr. Jerry Hatfield has focused his research on soil, plant, environment interactions, and quantifying the effect of weather and climate on crop productivity. That was a mouthful, Jerry. 
Break it down for us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, a native Kansan. I grew up on a farm, uh, got a, a, a bachelor's out of K-State and a master's out of the University of Kentucky and a PhD uh, from Iowa State. Actually, it was very fortunate that I spent eight years in the Central Valley of California working with the U- University of California, Davis, and and uh, left that garden spot to go to the high plains of West Texas to Lubbock for six years. And for the past uh, 30 some years, I've been here in Ames as the director of the National Lab for Ag and the Environment. But, you know, that's uh, the, the focus has really been on, as you pointed out, on the soil plant atmosphere continuum. And I don't think people realize the interconnectivity that we have between plants and the atmosphere and the soil and how those are all linked and how precious our soil is in terms of maintaining and supplying water and nutrients and support to those those plants and everything. So, you know, that really is the dynamic that we need to be understanding uh, as we go forward. So you talked about this high level understanding um, about these, these different elements. Why do you think that we're just now getting to the soil? What, you know, what has gone on in the last couple of years? Why is this emphasis so great right now? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really uh, interesting question from the fact that, did we just finally discover soil as part of the <laughs> equation? <laughs> you know, I, think I think we've always known that. Um, but I think that you look at the progress of agriculture. Uh, and I'll, I'll take you back a, a few hundred years. I mean, you you look at this. I always tell people that the original application of precision agriculture was manure application onto the field. Farmers knew that if they put manure onto the poor parts of the field, they would improve productivity. Uh, and so they would always put more on in those parts of the field than other parts of the field. Uh, you know, they didn't have GPS or anything else to guide them. They just had their observations. And, and we, over time, we've just, I think we've lost sight of how important the role of soil is in, to, in supplying water and supplying nutrients and supplying support for that plant. Because we got to the attitude that we could overcome everything with increasing our inputs. And now we're realizing that maybe we need to readjust our thinking. <laughs> we need to readjust our thinking and saying, what can that soil provide for us? And how can we become more efficient in our crop production in terms of uh, more water use efficient, more nutrient use efficient, more profitability? All those things go hand in hand, but we're rediscovering that. And so maybe it's a reawakening (laughs) of the precious value that we have in soils and how we need to be considering soil health as part of this overall process as we go forward. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think that this reframing of existing knowledge is what's key right now. And um, part of what we do at Soul Health U, which is the annual conference that this podcast is leading up to, um, is we bring producers together from all over the Midwest, from all over the United States, and we bring in experts like yourself um, to talk about some of these lost components of knowledge. And it's interesting because you look in the crowd and you'll see a certain age range, and it's it's not necessarily the active younger producers. It's the the top tier, maybe is what we could call them, and they're shaking their heads yes because they're recalling some of this information that was handed down from their grandparents about farming and agriculture. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a that's a, a real interesting dynamic in all of this. And uh, one of the fascinating pieces of this, to me anyway, is the sociology of change. <laughs> How do yeah. we begin to look at uh, agriculture for, as a changing dynamic and, and what entices people to change or what entices people to ask different questions about their systems. Uh, because I think that in, in agriculture, I often say that we are, we're data rich and we're information poor. <laughs> you know, we, we have all of this information. We have soil maps and we have yield monitors and we have precision application equipment. We have all these different tools and data out there, but how do we put it together to help a producer say, you know, you can improve profitability on your farm. You can improve your nutrient use efficiency. And I think that this is what those people that are nodding their heads <laughs> in the audience are discovering. They're seeing that play out on their fields and they're yeah. saying, I am now changing <laughs> and I'm seeing this unfold before my very eyes. And I should have been doing this earlier. Uh, Absolutely. You know, that becomes a very interesting dynamic in all of this. Well, we're seeing that a lot with the conferences and the events that we've been holding the last couple of mm -hmm. years. Um, we're, we're transitioning into what Mitchell and I talked about on the next podcast is this 2.0, this region 2.0. Um, we've gone through with these early adopters, finding your why, why are we doing this? What components of human health, soil health, um, ecological health, um, economic health, what, what are those components that are drawing you to make these changes? But now this 2.0, I find that we're accelerating and in your experience over 30 years, there have been a series of principles that have been developed that are kind of a guiding force into the soil health movement. So let's talk a little bit about the principles from your perspective and then yeah, kind of dive into how do we do that? Yeah, I think that the principles, you know, I, I just kind of break it down in, in very simple things is we want soil to, to really do three functions relative to agriculture. And, and we want it to supply water. <laughs> we want it to supply nutrients and we want it to provide support for that plant. We want that plant standing up. And so, you know, those are the, uh, those are the functions and the principles are really uh, how do you how do you improve nutrient cycling? <laughs> how do you improve water storage and water availability and, and infiltration? And how do you create a soil environment that those roots are able to explore that provide the support for that plant? So the functions and the principles really go hand in hand when you think about all these different things that are playing out. What we're now discovering is that you know, there's this tremendous interaction between how soil is absorbing water, how its nutrients are being cycled. And all of this is driven by microbes in the soil that we don't even see and, and we don't even understand some of their functions, but we know that they're critical in all of this. So you think about all of these different pieces in terms of the principles that are out there that now, now lead us to improve functionality. I was thinking it over this over the weekend, <laughs> and that is the fact that we really need to think more about how do we look at agriculture, and, and particularly in this system, of saying we can achieve three goals simultaneously. We can improve production efficiency. We can improve uh, quality, <laughs> nutritional quality of whatever we produce, and we can improve the environment all simultaneously. You know, we used to think about 
a win-win situation <laughs> where we had a win in production and a win in environmental quality. But I'm thinking now of a win-win-win <laughs> where yeah. we have uh, production efficiency, we have improved quality of that product, and we have improved environmental quality. And I think all that's within our grasp. And I think the regen agriculture and soil health is really pointing us saying, you guys can figure this out and it's yeah. achievable and realizable in what you're doing. Absolutely. I love the sociological component of this. It's it's the part that drew me in. It's the part that communicates to my brain the best. Um, you know, people, planet, profit, the three Ps, the pillars of sustainability. Um, but taking that a step further into regenerative agriculture, um, the, the principles that have been identified are pretty basic if you think about it. So we've got keep the soil covered. We've got maintain a living root, which we had Chris Nichols at Soil Health U last year. And she said in Kansas, we should have close to 330 days plus with a living root in our growing conditions, which blew a lot of minds. Um, Minimize soil disturbance, integrating livestock or integrating more species into the system, and then having a crop diversity. So one thing that you and I've talked about is there are many practices in which a producer can use to achieve principles. What are you seeing as success in Kansas? Because I know that you still have the family farm here outside of Manhattan. Um, Tell us a little bit about some practices you see producers um, having success with. Yeah, if you go back to those uh, principles that are out there in terms of reduced disturbance, uh, you know, cover on the ground, diversity, livestock. All of that is oriented towards feeding the biology within the soil. <laughs> you know, you really think about what causes soil to change. We can't till our way to soil health. <laughs> we can't add a chemical to, to soil health. We've got to rely on feeding that biological system. And you think about those different practices, reducing tillage uh, and maintaining cover in there is that that uh, begins to provide that shelter <laughs> for those microbes. It provides a food source for those microbes to work. Uh, and all of this is how do we begin to take that living root? And I'll just expand on that for a second because a living root is attached to a living plant. <laughs> and a yes. living plant is, is constantly photosynthesizing and, and it's constantly photosynthesizing and putting sugars into that soil. And those sugars are really the food source for the microbes to work. So the longer we can keep that microbe fed or those microbes fed, the the more we have opportunities to to change that soil, to to improve that functionality of that soil, to make those principles realizable uh, along the way. So think about the practices in not a specific practice, but a practice that's oriented towards doing the things we want to do. And that is keeping the soil covered, uh, constantly feeding those microbes, modifying that microclimate that those microbes exist in. Because here's here's a piece that I don't think people really understand is that once we change that residue cover, that's an immediate benefit because we protect that soil from raindrop energy, but we also reduce the evaporation rate and we maintain a more moist environment. And it's a modified environment. So it's not going through all these extremes of temperature. So 
Microbes are very happy working in that environment. They've got everything they need. So they really respond very, very quickly. So I think we need to start thinking about our practices relative to how they uh, influence different systems and, and the impact on the, on the principles as we talk about them as well. So, and then it feeds back into the functionality. Uh, we see those things occurring immediately in the system. Well, I like I like that you brought that up because um, you know we've talked to producers over the years, and some of the barriers are how long it takes to change. And it seems to me like this regenerative 2.0 that we've had a lot of conversation about, um, especially with Mitchell Hora in the next podcast. We have shortened the time that producers can make change because we've gotten better at what we do. So thinking about that, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back something you said in your introduction. Soil supplies water, and that's going to pique the interest of some of our Western Kansas, Southwestern Kansas producers, the Panhandle. Talk to me about how water supplies soil in the terms of making changes, you know, in in a couple seasons. Uh, Actually, (laughs) I'll make it within one season for you, Okay, (laughs) because if if we change the residue and we reduce the tillage intensity, uh, just a little trivia for you. Every time we till in the spring, it's basically a half inch of water that's evaporated back to the atmosphere. Wow. So tillage does exactly what it's supposed to do. It dries the soil out. And when you get into water limited environments, moving west of Salina, <laughs> you know, water becomes very, very precious. And so putting that residue layer on there reduces that evaporation rate by about 80%. Um, so we maintain that, uh, water going, we also protect it from raindrop energy or, uh, in the case of irrigation, even those irrigation raindrops <laughs> that are falling down, they, they move into that soil very, very quickly. And we don't destroy that soil aggregate surface. The piece of this is that those changes are immediate. They're not, you know, wait till next season, wait till the till season after that season. This is an immediate response, and and we see that in terms because it's a physical change. Uh, physics changes very very quickly. Biology changes a little bit more slowly. But if you change the physical environment, you can change the biological environment, and then we begin to change the chemical environment because of all the things that are going on. So, just think about these pieces all linking together, uh, and and we've seen. Uh, where we go back to the principle you mentioned earlier, and that's the diversity aspect. When we really begin to change the, the diversity of that crop that's growing out there, so we're going to mixtures of different things, well, all we're doing is changing the composition profile of the exudates that are out there. Uh, we're giving those microbes a, a diversity in diet, but we can see we've seen changes within 140 days of that soil becoming a different aggregate structure. And so within one growing season, we can see changes. Uh, and That's amazing. all of these different things that are going on, we've seen a doubling of microbial biomass within two years after we switched from a conventional tillage to a no-till cover crop. So I, I think that one of the myths that we've got to dispel <laughs> is that soil is very slow to change. No, soil is a living system. It it changes very rapidly. We just have to figure out what to measure to, to observe those changes. And sometimes just observing it with your eyes uh, is a better indication of what's going on. 
I love this. We're busting down myths with Dr. Jerry Hatfield. That should be the, that should be the title. Um, but no, this is all great. Really. This is, this is fantastic information. I just like the microbes in the soil. My brain is feeding on all of this information, trying to process this, figure out, you know, what do we do next? And what's great about the work you're doing currently in retirement, I'll have to add, I think you're busier now than you were before is that you're going to take this data that you guys have, uh, you know, acquired over decades and put it into more presentations so that it can go directly to the farmer and the farmer and the producer can understand and disseminate the information and put it into use. And and that's really what we're doing, Jerry. Um, The Soul Solutions podcast is an educational series that is going to lead us up into our um, 2023. That feels like such a long ways away. Um, It's going to take us to our 2023 Soul Health You Conference. Um, Just an amazing conference that I've been blessed to be a part of for a number of years. And you're going to be there to kind of go into a deep dive on some of these topics. So Jerry, that's all I got for you today. Um, give me, is there any last piece of wisdom you'd like to leave our listeners with so that they can marinate on for the next 12 months? Yeah, I, I guess I would like to leave with the fact that there is great value in, in taking these uh, principles of soil health and putting into play because I get a lot of questions about, you know, what's the role of carbon and everything else? Well, Here's the value. Improving our soil improves our value to the producer. You can achieve these. You can realize this. And it adds money to your your farming operation. It adds satisfaction to your farming operations. One of my goals in retirement, Jessica, is to help agriculture go to the next level. And so I have a real passion for helping agriculture change, but change in the right way in which we can provide for a more secure food future, uh, a more pleasing environment that we all work in and everything. Absolutely. It's it's at that human level. And that is a theme that I hear folks like yourself who are dedicated to this mission. It really is about having that quality of life, quality of soil, um, and being able to regenerate our hearts and minds at the same time. So Jerry, with that, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Oh, it's been my pleasure as well. You can tell I get very excited about this topic and everything. So, Well, you're not alone. I do too. We're definitely in the soil squad. That's for sure. All right, Jerry. Well, you have a wonderful afternoon and we will see you on the other side. Thanks, Jessica. Appreciate you joining us today. And for more soil health information from High Plains Journal, please sign up. Hit the subscribe button at the bottom of the page. I look forward to growing together.